It's the Nachum Siegel Network, and it's the OU Jewish Reaction Show. At the uh, beginning of our uh, program this week, we get an opportunity to speak to Rabbi uh, David Cohen, or by David M. Cohen, is author of the book, We're Almost There, Living with Patience, Perseverance, and Purpose. Rabbi Cohen is a rabbi, lawyer, therapist, and special needs advocate. He um, he recently completed nine years serving as rabbi of the Young Israel of the West Side, helping to make it one of the most popular and dynamic shuls in Manhattan. Currently director of synagogues for Manhattan, Bronx, Westchester, and Connecticut, and director of community outreach for Yachad, both roles of the Orthodox Union. And um, he is a, a coveted scholar in residence, so I'm proud to say most recently spent a little bit of time here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan in that capacity. Rabbi David M. Cohen, welcome to the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much, Nachum. It's great to be here. What an interesting title. We're almost there. Living with patience, perseverance, and purpose. Oh, by the way, I should mention before I ask you about writing the book that it's a Mosaica Press release, an independent publisher of Jewish books. Authors include some of the most profound, interesting, and entertaining thinkers and writers in the Jewish community today. Books available around the world, mosaicapress.com, mosaicapress.com. Why did you write the book? You know, Nathan, I just felt I had what to say. I really feel that many people struggle in life with issues of patience, persevering through challenges, living a purposeful life. And really through the prism of my own experiences, I really wanted to share that with as many people as possible. And, uh, I mean, not to belittle the life of a rabbi, because obviously you're in the, you know many complicated situations, obviously, but I mean... Uh, what is it or what was it about all these years where you said to yourself, you know what, I've been in so many different types of circumstances, I can go ahead and offer some good advice and guidance about them? You know, a couple of years ago I started writing one-off pieces from Mishpacha magazine in their guest line column, and much to my surprise, the feedback was, 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 very, was very well received. People, wherever I would go, people would say, you're the guy in Mishpacha magazine, and they seemed to really like my writing, and I thought, you know, why not uh, take some of my writing, put it into a book, expand upon it, and kind of see where it takes me. <laughs> That's cool. Um, the uh, the book has an interesting title. We're almost there. Why? So, you know, my kids, whenever we're traveling, they always say to me, Abba, are we almost there? It's like words <laughs> that come out of one of my children's mouths all the time. But it, when I began to reflect on those words, I, I realized that many of us are, are childlike in terms of being impatient, in terms of having expectations. And it's important to recognize that life is a process, that life is long, and that many times we're almost there. We're not there yet, and that's okay that we're not there, you know, that we're not yet where we intend to go. And, and a lot of life, in essence, is holding the vision and trusting the process. To have a vision, to have a clarity, to have a purpose of where we want to get to, but to understand that there's a process and that things take time. Just like childbirth, for example, there's a process that takes nine months until the baby is born. So similarly, many great things in life take patience, and take perseverance. Oh, interesting. Uh, a lot of these lessons come from the rabbinate. You've dedicated the first part of the book, actually, to challenges and opportunities in serving others that came from the experience in the rabbinate. That is uh, absolutely right. It's interesting because my, my familiarity with, with enough of Siegel so, so, besides, of course, your immense popularity, is the fact that I had the privilege of being Rabbi Benjamin or Rabbi Benjamin Yudin's assistant rabbi for five years, <laughs> from 1995 to 2000. And I remember helping him many times as he needed extra time to prepare his Friday morning radio talk, so I often would pick up the slack in, in the shul. Oh, and he was you. my first uh, exposure to what a model pulpit rabbi is, what a rabbi can do, the, the metamorphosis he can bring about in the community, 
the impact he could have on people's lives. And he, along with many others, including my maternal grandfather, were a great inspiration for me to pursue that career. Uh, it says here the Shabbos, the rabbi dreaded the sermon. Was that a famous Shabbos or one of great pain? What was it? Yeah, it was. Look, many times, unfortunately, there are tragic events. Just recently, I think, uh, not this past Shabbos, but the previous Shabbos, I was in Boynton Beach, Florida. I was by uh, Rabbi Billet Shul, the uh, junior Rabbi Billet, the son of Rabbi Heshi Billet, and he had to speak about all the tragic events that transpired in Eretz Yisrael that particular week. The terrible, you know, the terrible, terrible death of uh, that amazing nurse uh, was stabbed at her, at her doorstep, so on and so forth. And there's so many times where a rub has to address contemporary events, and that was the Shabbos where the three boys had been kidnapped the summer of 2004, and we had the, the 18 days or so until we found out what their, what their uh, tragic fate was, and that was the Shabbos uh, amongst, unfortunately, too many these days where rabbis dread having to get up where people go, great sermon, Rabbi, and you, you wish you didn't have to give that sermon. It's not, it's not a great sermon, you know, in, in the classic sense. So as a community leader, as somebody who's in the spotlight, uh, there's, there are times when, it's, um, when it can be very, re- be very rewarding and one where, where the reaction can be very rewarding and, and other times where it can be very painful, frankly. Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a complex area of life, certainly any time one is in the public eye. So like you mentioned, there's a lot of uh, cover that comes with it. There's a lot of honor. There's a lot of respect. But they're also uh, really being there for people in their most challenging, difficult times, seeing when people are most vulnerable. And, and one of the great themes that I try to bring out throughout my book is that it's okay to be vulnerable, that we live in a world where people often have a facade that the Purim is coming up, you know, Rosh Chodesh Adar Aleph is approaching, and people many times have a, have a mask, and they're afraid to be vulnerable, they're afraid to show their, their deeper side, or their, their, show themselves, expose themselves. And, and Rabbanim in particular uh, have the privilege of seeing people often at their rawest or their most vulnerable, and, and that's not often easy, just in terms of uh, people can lash out at you and, and, and just the own emotions that, that can be conjured up from being with people in times like that. So it certainly is a mixed bag. Although a great privilege, it certainly is a mixed bag. Rabbi David Cohen, nine years served as Rabbi of the Young Israel of the West Side, currently Director of Synagogues for Manhattan, Bronx, <laughs> Bronx, Westchester, and Connecticut, and Director of Community Outreach for Yachad, both of the Orthodox Union. You're listening to the OU Jewish Reaction Program. Is it possible that I met somebody in Jersey City who owns a go-kart place that was your congregant? Is that that is correct. Ayal Faraj. Yeah. Ayal Faraj, a wonderful, wonderful fellow an Israeli who many, many years ago kind of stumbled across the young Israel when he was saying Kaddish for his uh, recently, at that point, his recently departed father. He came in, began to recite Kaddish, and he ended up actually redecorating the entire sanctuary, renovating it. Uh, They call it the miracle on 91st Street. He actually brought about a metamorphosis, which ultimately brought about the uh, rejuvenation in terms of people and the energy in the shul as well. First, you have to fix the physical structure. Once he did that, the early 2000s, so after that, the people came. If, uh, we build, if you build it, they will come. That's interesting. The, all those things he didn't tell me when I did. And by the way, this is a total tangent. I don't think you expected me to recall this, but um, when I did meet him, he did play me a voicemail message that you had left him a couple of years ago. How do you like that? That he had saved. Wow, that is that is crazy. I, I once gave him a bracha that he should become a billionaire, and uh, he's uh, he's a very savvy businessman, and he and uh, I wish him a lot of success. And he—that's one of his very prized possessions—that voicemail, which he never erased. That's it's so, so funny. funny. That, it's so funny that you're mentioning that. It's hysterical. 
And he played that for me. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, See, you, you never know the influence you have on people. You know, we, we rabbis do small little things for people. You leave them a voice message. You never know how profound the impact can be. Uh, you write in the book Lessons in Parenting from the Father of a Special Needs Child. So obviously you make this uh, well-known to everybody that you've had this experience and continue to have it. Now, I know there's a lot of you know, nuances and a lot of details that we could ask about, but is there a generalization? Is there something you could tell us in general uh, that parents should know based on your experience? So, look, first of all, I just, it behooves me to mention today is February 1st. We've made it to February. We've escaped the cold of January. It looked a bit. It's a North American Inclusion Month, which is sponsored right. by Yachad, which is one of my employers, the right. division of the Orthodox Union. This month in particular is a time where we try to bring special attention in shuls and schools in the broader Jewish community to including individuals with special needs. I myself will be speaking in Young Israel of Woodmere, the Shabbos of February 20th, and I'm looking forward to that opportunity. But look, every child has to be nurtured. Every child has different uh, innate capabilities. Some children are, you know, are, are geniuses by nature. Some have a, a less uh, stellar IQ, as does my son. But ultimately, uh, you know, raising a child is not just about intellectual acumen. It's certainly about their emotional quotient, and intelligence is measured in many diverse ways. And ultimately, every parent has to bring their child to the next level. Uh, up a notch, wherever your child's baseline or starting point is, so we all have the opportunity to help our children advance and develop to the next to the next step. It's not a competition. It's not about where somebody else's child is. It's really about being in the moment, focusing on your particular child, and trying to bring out the greatest potential you can in your unique uh, in your unique child. I'm told, by the way, that February 20, 20th, when you speak at the Young Israel of Woodmere, that's actually an entire Yachad Shabbaton going on there in the shul. That's correct. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a, a, Yachad, a Yachad program, one of the divisions, Abiyachad is going to be having a wonderful inclusionary Shabbaton with members of the community, and I'm privileged to have the opportunity to speak uh, a number of times throughout the weekend about inclusion. Uh, a couple of other chapters that you deal with, uh, the Shidduch crisis and early years of marriage. I don't know if that came because uh, <laughs> th- because you had a congregation that was of that age, or in general you just you know I- enjoyed it as a topic and lectured on it. How did that come about? So, actually, not exactly. It's kind of... Uh, Kind of, Hashem has a good sense of humor that he put me in a community that struggles uh, with, uh, with with Shidduchim, with a lot of young singles. I, in fact, myself went through my own Shidduch crisis. I didn't get married until I was 31 years old, until after 10 years, at times arduous years, in the Shidduch crisis. And I have a great story in the first chapter of that section where I speak about uh, the, the serendipity or siyata deshvaya of meeting a wonderful taxi driver named Yaakov Gershon at the Kotel in yeah. Tom Gedalia many years ago and how he whisked me off to Amuka and unleashed the process where I ultimately met my wife from Vienna, Austria and uh, Baruch Hashem uh, catapulted me forward to uh, a whole new level and stage of getting married. And then, again, Hashem has a sense of humor. He then sent me back to America from Israel to serve in the community now in my 10th year on the Upper West Side working in a community where I did have the opportunity to share a lot of my own experience and knowledge and expertise and wisdom, trying to help others, both who are trying to get married as well as people who are newly married. I work with a lot of young married couples and guiding them uh, in their early years of marriage. Curiosity question, Rabbi Cohen. If not for that trip to Amuka, would you be married now? I, you know, that's a great question. I, I hope <laughs> the, so. The problem, I hope I would the, be. The problem is uh, think people think it is a great question. I don't think it's... That's a great question. The problem is well, people think it is. 
I don't see it in terms of, you know, the way many people see it, that some sort of magical event happened. I've had friends who are unfortunately still not married, and they'll say to me, oh, you had that crazy story. Like, but it's not about the story. It's more what the story did for me, and that it opened me up, and it, it touched on vulnerability deep within me, and it kind of made me more open to opportunities that were always in front of me, and that really helped me. Uh, kind of crossed the threshold that I was struggling with. So well, it's not about a magical, not about a magic bullet or some sort of, you know, wearing a, like a bendle on your wrist as much as just about, it was something transformative for me in the moment to be cared about by a stranger, a taxi driver in such a deep way and to open myself up and to expose myself in prayer that I think ultimately made myself more mukshar, more ready ultimately to meet some of my, my Hashem. Well, I think you've handled that answer very, very well, frankly. Uh, Rabbi David Cohen's with us. The book is called We're Almost There. Uh, you have a chapter on strengthening faith, faith in our turbulent times. You even mention ISIS, and you, you entitle the chapter Beheading ISIS, which might be the, you know, the dream of a lot of people out there uh, with the way the enemy has reacted toward innocent people. Um, how is it? How is it when people are so stressed out uh, by the uh, turbulent times that we face and they can't avoid, many people can't avoid uh, you know, getting really on edge about what's happening on this globe of ours. What what words of advice can you offer? Look, we, we live in, in, in turbulent, extremely scary times. Certainly the the movements and machinations of the stock market the last few weeks, in addition to everything else, is certainly not uh, helping people. And, and I like to see myself, and some people have referred to me as a spiritual advisor for the game of life. And I think life is a game, in essence. Games there and games, there are ups, there are downs, there's times when things are going great, there are times when things are not, not going as well. And I think oftentimes we have to really hold on tight. And I often encourage people to kind of, as best as they can, to kind of bifurcate and to, and to focus on the moment. Right now, in this very moment that the reader finds themselves in, where you or I not find ourselves in, we're fine. In this very moment, we have everything that we need. Right now, we may not have it tomorrow, we might not have had it yesterday, but right now we're okay. And if we, if we were able to kind of view life with that perspective of each moment and taking each moment for what it gives, Chazal famously comments that in the financial realm, that if a person has everything they need today and they're worried about what they're not going to have tomorrow or the next day, they're a kofer, they're a denier of God because Hashem has provided for us right now. And whatever the future brings, you know, the future will be, you know, but it's like something that, uh, you know, right now is, uh, you know, the past is history, the future is a mystery, and now is a gift, and that's why they call it the present. It's right. something that I saw on the, on the wall in Shomri Torah in Fairland many years ago. I've taken it with me because it's very important, in, particularly in traumatic times that we find ourselves in, to try as best as we can to hold on to tefillah, to hold on to our families, to hold on tightly to that which is stable, to that which is secure, and to try to be in the moment as much as we can. Pretty amazing. All right, David Cohen, he is the author of the book, We're Almost There, Living with Patience, Perseverance, and Purpose. Has this just been released very recently? Just it's hot off the presses. It's, it's fresh. It uh, was released by Feldheim for distribution on January 15th. It's just arriving in Judaica stores. I know it's on the West Side at Judaica, which is a great store, and I encourage people to go to West Side Judaica and support them. They're really a mainstay of our community on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. But the book is slowly being distributed throughout North America and, and beyond. It's a very, very exciting time. It's going to be at the YU Farm Sale, where I'm going to be doing a book event. I think it's the 21st of uh, February, that Monday, right after the weekend. I'll be at Janizal Woodmere. I think it's President's Day, if I'm not mistaken, that evening. 
I'll have an opportunity to speak more intimately with the, with the people there about the book. And my website is being launched uh, by the end of this week, www.rabbidavidmcohen.com, where the book will also be available. And the Jewish Press has a big write-up about the book that's coming out in this week's edition as well uh, from the author's word. So it's really a very exciting time, Malcolm, and I'm so appreciative of this opportunity, really just getting the word out about a book that really has, uh, in my opinion, very down-to-earth, contemporary, pragmatic approach to life that really has a great appeal for all types of Jews, whether they're religious, whether they're not religious. It really addresses faith-based issues, and it's really, has great, if you like stories, it has great stories with life lessons, and it's really uh, something that I really hope will, uh, will, will get a viewing and will hopefully have the intended impact. Well, you're off to an amazing start. He's Director of Synagogue Services from Manhattan, Bronx, Westchester, and Connecticut, and Director of Community Outreach for Yachad, both roles at the OU. Accessible to the following email address, cohend at ou.org, cohend at, o, at ou.org. We're almost there by David M. Cohen, Living with Patience, Perseverance, and Purpose. Rabbi Cohen, thank you so much for joining us today. A pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much. This was wonderful, and I look forward to uh, continuing to listen to you for many years to come. I appreciate that. More coming up. It's the OU Jewish Reaction Show. You're listening to the Nahum Siegel Network.
Well, it's the OU Jewish Reaction Show, and we have a bonus segment, a bonus segment here at the Nahum Siegel Network, believe it or not. Who is the bonus segment with? It's with Miriam L. Wallach. Miriam L. Wallach has an observation to make, a very important observation to make for those of you who travel the globe, especially in the United States of America, and are seeking out or searching for delicious kosher food, and wonder, is it the same as it was, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, and it's so difficult, or it's such a hard process? Well, she's returned from her elaborate vacation with the following assessment. <laughs> how long? Hello. How long was it? <laughs> I'm thinking the last time we saw you was a. Don't ra- you welcome other guests? Don't you say I, hi? I'm thinking the last time we saw high. you was around New Year's. Am I right? Was it around? <laughs> was it around the time the ball was dropping in Times Square? Like I never left. That Miriam L. Wallach was around here. And yes, we do say welcome. Thank and, you. And welcome to the OU Jewish Reaction. I don't show. think I've actually ever been on the Jewish Reaction. Well. This is fun for me. Ellie Hagler is not as uh, cordial a host as I am, I guess. He never had, that's not, he, you must have been on. You must have been with the marathon or something. You must have been on once. I don't, I don't know. Doesn't I really matter. don't, get, you know, sense. we're going to have to go in the archives. Anyway. We're going to have to check back. Let's go so, to the videotape. So now you're again a fan of the OU. Do you not like my Warner Wolf reference there? Thank the you very much. Yeah, time to relax and to re- <laughs> recollect all those things from yesteryear. <laughs> yeah, what can I tell you? Yeah, so I have a huge appreciation for the OU. Not that I didn't beforehand, but I certainly do now, and I want to thank everyone in the Kostras department. 150% my thanks to everyone in the Kostras department. Do you know why? Why? Because in the 20 years, yes, I've had the opportunity, thank God, to do some traveling. You know, can I just, I wish there was a video cam right now so everyone could see Nahum's face. What? I'm going to get this sentence out. Yes, I've had the opportunity to go to Hawaii twice in my life. There you go. Yes, there is a video I camera. I was also oh, in Hawaii that's where it is? twice in my life. Oh, brother. Um, and but the, I don't think I ate any uh, specifically OU products at that time. Okay, well, <laughs> between my first trip to Hawaii and my most recent trip to Hawaii, from which I just returned, Costco... The five-week trip. Costco... New Year's till now. ...and Safeway have basically taken over Hawaii. Right. And both are filled with OU products, I had asked a number of people from Los Angeles, as Hawaii is an easy destination, I use that in quotation marks, an easy destination for people from California, and they travel there, you know, like we would travel somewhere else. More regularly. Okay. Like she makes it sound like everyone in L.A. is running to Hawaii. Yeah, you know what? Okay. Anyway, but I digress. Um, The first piece of advice we got from a number of people is land and go to Costco. Right. And that's what we did. Load up on what you need. Exactly. And we found basically... Absolutely everything there. Ah. It was it was easy as pie. What? Fla- flavored coffee milk. Okay, I don't drink that. I'm just curious. I don't know. It. I would I would oh, say so you that didn't find everything. You I would say you were looking for. Your I thing. would say looking for products that actually. If I wanted to, yes. If I wanted to bake challah yeah. on the Big Island of Hawaii, I totally could have done that. Well, I would guess. No, why? Twenty years ago, I couldn't find a box of matzah. Now I found 
everything. There was nothing that we were missing with flour, the ex- yeast, sugar. You would have found that you needed for challah. Yeah. Now, I there was no flour, yeast, and sugar back then. I wasn't looking for flour. Uh, That's not my point. Now I'm back to my point that right. you weren't looking for it. Right. The stuff you looked for. I you just found. want to say that I still want to thank the OU. I'm enjoying myself less with you making fun of my <laughs> vacation. I'm not making fun. <laughs> the stuff you looked for had an OU. Thank God. Thank God. And really, absolutely everywhere. There wasn't one place that we went to visit, including the gift shop at Pearl Harbor, where we could not find something that had an OU on it that allowed us to have a snack or have a little bit of sustenance After no matter all, what. who wouldn't want to snack a little while remembering one of the worst episodes in American history? Yes, who, that who is would, true. Who would not want to Hi, do that? Hi, I'm Jewish. We <laughs> eat to make ourselves feel better. <laughs> It's a comfort. Why do you ne- think you bring ne- over a... Ne- next, you'll be supporting the the, the, the guys by <laughs> the 9-11 memorial. <laughs> you know, we're not making 9-11 jokes, but that's not even the point. Yeah. So we were able to have, I mean, it was salmon on Shabbos. It was chicken. We got Empire Chicken at the Costco. We got yeah. salmon at Costco. We All of this had an OU on it. It was easy as pie, and I could not be more appreciative of... You know, Go ahead. No. No, you, can I be much, you cannot be more appreciative of the OU Kashrus department. Yay. Correct. And everyone. Woo! They get a big round of applause. They really do. They certainly do. I don't know who flies in all these various destinations or who makes sure that well, it happens to, or whatever. They have to put the product on the shelves. They just have to, you I know. I understand that. Yeah. But certain yeah, things get processed and right. get packaged in different locations. Right. That's true. As I, we know, no joke. Yeah, I wasn't joking. You remember on the app the other day, we had a comment from Inner Mongolia. That's some, right. Somebody who was actually checking Kashra's products there. My grandfather used to fly to Nova Scotia. There you go. My grandfather used to fly to Nova Scotia. Hey. He was a mashkiach for the OU. Imagine that. That's it. And he used to do, you know, a whole bunch of stuff there. So I just want to tell you that if you're looking to travel, it is so much easier than it used to be. And actually, we ran into it. I'm not, I can't even look at you straight in the face right now. <laughs> you know why? <laughs> why? Because <laughs> you're making fun of me. I'm not making fun. You are. I think it's hilarious. That I'm that I'm no, I think it's very good. It's wonderful. Just you know, whatever. it certainly is. It certainly is. There was n- what's wrong, Jamie? Even in Nova Scotia, I hear they have OU products. Now. There are there's there's Mamish. There are there are OU products Mamish? everywhere. I know. Where'd you pick that up? At the OU. <laughs> <Come> out of Kona. <laughs> Do you <laughs> we landed in Oahu, and about four minutes outside of the airport is a huge shul. There was an true? enormous mug and of it, and Stephen looked at me and said. Is that what I think it is? I'm like, well, if you think it's a shul, then yeah. Wow. I mean, we were on our way to Pearl Harbor. We had no time to stop for Minion. But when, when I was in Kona, there was no Chabad. When you were in Kona, there was no Chabad. Well, there is not only a Chabad of the Big Island, there's a Chabad of Maui. Right. Well, there's a Chabad there, in there, Oahu. There always was. Right, there's a Chabad. Adam Free's brother-in-law. And, oh, really? Rabbi Krasnansky. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. And there are Israelis all over the Big Island. Every time I turned around, there was another mezuzah. There you go. It was pretty funny. I got to wish people a Shabbat Shalom <laughs> 45 minutes before candlelighting on the big island. Baruch Hashem. And you know what one guy told me in Maui? What? He told me, he said that he has been in the strangest locations, and all of a sudden he hears people speaking Hebrew. He, nothing shocks well, today. him. Nothing shocks him. He said Israelis show up in the strangest of places. And I said, it's good. Thank God. But it's anyway, a funny, funny world. It is. So anyway, Hakara Satov I have to everyone at the OU for, you know, making being Jewish simpler. Miriam L. Wallach and her tribute to OU Why Kosher. Why is he making fun of me? I'm being so sincere. He's mocking me. I'm not mocking you in the least. You're not? This no. is you? Oh, okay. I'm not mocking you in the least. I'm being serious. That You have a great appreciation. And I certainly do. And you've taken the time to publicly acknowledge at the OU and OU Kosher is doing a remarkable job in remote areas of the world. And I think, by the way, that the next episode of uh, next episode, next issue of Jewish Action right. should 
you know, if anybody's listening, should highlight, should really take a picture of um, of a map and and highlight the different places where you there's OU products to be well, found everywhere. Well, now, I mean. What? Everywhere has it. But that's but that's exactly my point. Yeah, shkayach, but I'm saying. No. No, but I'm saying it's not no, like. No, you don't get to shkayach me for that. It's not like it's a map that, you know, would, would be missing anything. It's just like a world map and you have, there's OU everywhere, I think. Well, I guess that would be the question now, wouldn't right. it, Nahum? Are there places on the planet you cannot Who get Who knows them? the answer? There's somebody at somebody on the 12th floor at the OU. There you go. Hopefully they'll Is be... Is the Kashra's floor... Oh, 12th floor? I would not know. Was it the 13th? I never remember. Is it 12th, 13th, 14th? I never remember. Wherever it is. We're going to have to ask Alan Fagan. I hope they produce that map quickly, because I need to know if there's OU products available. <sighs> Unbelievable. Everywhere. I don't even know what I just did. All I'm saying is I'd like to have this information as soon as possible. All right, we're going to have to work on this, Jamie. So when other people go to remote areas of the world, we can tell them, hey, no problem. Correct, you no problem. You walk to a major supermarket, you're going to find OU products. And the Safeway. Mm-hmm. And I think that Safeway and Target are related out there. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that they are because some of the kosher displays that I have seen in Targets in you know, Valley Stream, are the exact same, of which I took a picture, are the exact same setup in the, in the Safeway. You're making fun of me now. No. Okay. I am thrilled <laughs> to have found out that you're another very satisfied <laughs> OU kosher consumer. My kids were missing nothing. Do you know how nice it was to be able to be Orthodox Jews absolutely, you know, anywhere? It was such a machaya. My kids were missing nothing. Wow. There are about 400 interpretations of that statement. You can write a okay. book about that. Am I right? You can write a book about that statement. Not you. I'm saying in general. Well, I don't have people, time to write a book. I know. People can write Thank a book you. about that statement. Wow. Kids are missing nothing. Wow. Okay, I don't, I don't know what I just did there. <laughs> I have no idea why I just went wrong. <laughs> you didn't go wrong. I'm just saying it's a very deep philosophical statement. Okay. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem is right. And by the way, all the bread in Target. Kosher. OU. Down um, the line. That's it. You got bread, you got stuff to put on sandwiches, you're finished. Bread, peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Cream cheese. What else yeah. do you need? And by the way, locks. When we were on vacation in a remote location at some point in, in the recent past, yes, uh, we found, believe it or not, French fry patties with an OU on it. What do you mean French fry patties? It's like it's like like a latka. Pota- what are they called? Potato fritters. I, I don't know. Pota- I'm like trying to decide what packages, you're describing. Packages of like like sort of like square potato latkes. Okay. With an OU. That's cool. Yeah, it was. I mean, like out of nowhere, like you know, there's hardly any kosher products where we were, where we were, and all of a sudden. Here's a great side right. dish for you know. Anyway. Yeah, we did a lot of um, we we did a lot of that kind of flipping over every single package to see, <laughs> to see what's there. To see what's there. You know what was funny is when we were in Paris and I was turning things over looking for the hechsher, only to realize we have no idea if anything's good or not. <laughs> <We have Paris. laughs> right. So in Paris we Knee starved. Jerk. In Hawaii you ate. Knee That's... jerk when I turned over the Tropicana looking for the hechsher and being like, right, it's Paris. That is the lesson we learned. <laughs> that is the lesson we learned. When you, travel with, when you travel with me, there's no eating. When you travel with others, you find food. Last night, we're on the plane, and my son looks at me, and I had brought sandwiches because this airline does not provide meals. It is a nine-hour flight. They don't provide food. That is part of their shtick. Oh, the phone's ringing. Yeah. Anyway, my son looks at me, and he goes, uh, and I said something about having, you know, like a lender's bagels and cream cheese. And he goes, did you bring any locks? I'm like, 30,000 feet above the ocean. No, you Jew. I don't have any locks. Do you want the cream cheese or not? Unbelievable. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, so my Hakara Satov, thank you, OU Kosher.
Miriam Al-Wallach on this uh, special edition of the OU Jewish Reaction Show. You're listening to the Nahum Siegel Network. Strangers raising flags Seeing you dressed in nation ranks Seeing them all turn around Just like you I hold my ground But I stand quiet, I stand still Like a rock throughout the ages I'm just a stone from your home I'm Jerusalem Stone And I waited all this time See you in this land of It's the Malcolm Siegel Network. My thanks to Rabbi David Cohen who was with us earlier. My thanks to Miriam L. Wallach and her tale of travels with OU Kosher. And now we get an opportunity on this OU Jewish Reaction program. That's eighth day, by the way, in the background. To speak with Shlomit Tauber. Shlomit Tauber is the director of Camp Drawer. Camp Drawer is an OU Israel summer program. Camp Drawer is very interesting programming, and Shlomit directs the entire thing. Shlomit Tauber, Shalom. Welcome to the Nahum Siegel Network. Hi, Shalom. It's great to be here. I appreciate that. Nice to speak with you. Tell our audience, what is Camp Drawer? Um, basically, an amazing Israeli summer experience. Um, a bit different than everything else. Uh, for boys and girls, uh, uh, in Ramat beautiful, uh, views, uh, we have girls and boys, uh, entering grade six. That's the biggest one. The ones are entering grade 10. And we have an amazing leadership program for girls entering grades 11 and 12. Um, all very, very Israeli. Camps are separate. Boys are in Chispin. Girls are in Keshet. And I would say we combine a lot of fun, um, attractions, sports, arts, etc., uh, with Torah, with getting to know the land of Israel. So we have the whole package. How many weeks does it last? It lasts almost three weeks. So it's not as long as uh, American summer camps. But you do get a chance to get a, a taste of a little bit of everything. And how long has it been in existence? Well, this is our 21st year. Wow. I didn't realize that there was even a real market for three-week camps in Israel. Like, like you said, that's essentially the limit, right? Three to four weeks would be the most that, that kids could fit into their yes. school schedule. Um, yes. I would say the in Israel it's um, less acceptable to send kids for camp for six or eight weeks. Right. Um, so our Israeli experience is a bit shorter than what Americans are used to. But we believe there's a lot of advantage to that as well. Before I ask you about the advantages, do you have a lot of colleagues? Are there a lot of three-week summer programs around Israel in general? This is very rare for kids that age. Right. So there are a few programs like that in Israel. We are the only religious science uh, program that is not co-ed. Uh, but there are a few. And I guess Israeli programs tend to be not as long. Right, yeah, I understand uh, It's that. also meant for families that come to tour Israel, 
um, they usually don't come for two months. So while the parents are touring Israel, the kids get to uh, enjoy their time with other Jewish kids from around the world and from Israel, of course. And um, a camp drawer, you said, has advantages, and that's only a three-week program. What are some of those advantages? Um, I would say that it's not, at least uh, the way we see it as, as people that live in Israel and used to or maybe not used to being away from home for so long. Um, so it is a chance to get out of home, uh, to bond with other kids, to be part of the camp, um, to get to know the amazing staff we have. And at the same time, uh, not be away from home for so long and also get a little bit of a chance to spend uh, some part of the, the summer with your family. Right. I guess it's a, the best of both worlds, as they say, huh? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What's the number? How many uh, campers can you handle at once for one three-week session? Right. So we have um, about 130 girls. And around uh, 85 boys, and plus the leadership program, uh, which is a new program, which we're hoping to open for about 25 girls, a small, um, unique group uh, with a lot of personal attention on one hand, and on the other hand, the chance to meet uh, fascinating people from different fields um, in Israel, and also a chance to take your abilities um, and do something with it, make a change, um, and really become a leader in your own community. What's a good example of people they've met? What a good, what's a good example of people they've encountered that gives them opportunity to right. start thinking so, about leadership roles? Mm -hmm. um, so they will get a chance to meet um, staff at the president's uh, uh, office, the Israeli president, of course, uh, to meet Knesset members, uh, to meet government officials, to meet um, uh, people that uh, started uh, all kind of uh, biomed companies, uh, to meet uh, people that are part of the, the Tzahal um, chain of the command. So really, I would say different parts of um, Israeli everyday life. Get to know them. These are all exceptional people with exceptional um, personal uh, um, history and get to know them and maybe get a little bit of inspiration from what they did along the years. Are there sports and recreation very similar to what we do here? Definitely, 100%. <laughs> Everything I said is about, is about the leadership program. Uh, the camp in general has everything that uh, you, you know and you're used to from American camps, ice skating, swimming, arts and crafts, sports, Color War, the whole package. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> it sounds like you're very familiar with what goes on with American camping. Well, me personally have to say no because I'm Israeli. Ah, um, but I have to say that our counselors and our junior counselors are all American, as in uh, Israeli-American, and right. they all have uh, vast uh, experience with uh, American camps. They're all very familiar uh, with that culture, and that's something that we really try to bring into our camp together with the, the sense of uh, Israel. Uh, Shlomi Tauber is with us, OU Israel program. It's called Camp Drawer. You hear about the hundreds that it attracts each and every summer. Uh, how do people get information? If there are people, I mean, we look, we have people listening in Israel, and we certainly have people listening outside of Israel who know people in Israel. How do people get information about Camp Drawer and possibly joining up? Uh, okay. 
Okay, so first of all, I would recommend going to our website, uh, Kendall.com. Uh, I have to say we have kids from all over the world. So even if uh, someone lives in the States, in Europe, uh, basically anywhere, um, he's more than welcome to join us at Kendall, get to meet uh, other kids, other Jewish kids from around the world and from Israel. They're all invited to our website to get some more information. All right. And the OU's been with you from the very beginning, or you uh, you combined at some point? No, uh, Kendall is an OU project uh, from day one. Kalakavosh. Uh, Shlomi Tauber, a, a pleasure to meet you. Continued success with Camp Drawer, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. We hope to see you all in Kendall this summer. Vezrat <laughs> Hashem. Camp Drawer is the name of it. It's programming in Israel for three weeks, an OU Israel program, and Shlomi Tauber is director of Camp Drawer, joining us here at the OU Jewish Reaction Show. You are listening to the Nahum Siegel Network. Strangers raising flags Seen you dressed in nation ranks Seen them all turn around Just like you I hold my ground But I stand quiet, I stand still Like a rock throughout the ages I'm just a stone from your home I'm Jerusalem Stone And I waited all this time See you in this land of mine And I waited through the ugliness and grime See you in this land of mine
this thing called time I've felt twice but I'll rise once more Made a stone, I don't cry no more It's your name upon my spine Way before this thing called time I've felt twice but I'll rise once more Made a stone, I don't cry no more And I've waited all this time Feel in this land of mine And I've waited through the ugliness and crime See you in this land of Thanks for tuning in to the OU Jewish Reaction Show. This is a production, of course, of the Nahum Siegel Network. OU Jewish Reaction every single Tuesday, 9 a.m. right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Thanks for tuning in, and my thanks to all of our special guests. Check us out on social media, Facebook at Nahum, Facebook, Nahum Siegel Network, on Twitter at Nahum Siegel Net, Instagram, Nahum Siegel Network, and I thank you for tuning in.